Welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with David Corin from RVA Wealth Management. Our podcast is all about providing anyone considering retirement with the confidence they need to pursue their dreams in this new phase of life. We cover a wide range of topics, from retirement planning to investing with purpose, all while making you laugh and keeping things lighthearted. With David's years of experience and guest industry leaders to help guide us, you'll walk away feeling informed, empowered, and ready to take on your future with confidence. So sit back, relax, and get ready to join us on this journey to a new life. Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with your host, David Corin. I'm Wendy McConnell. Now, David, we have been talking about retiring. How much money do I need? Am I going to run out of money? All these questions about what happens once I retire. So today we're going to focus on how much money we do actually need, right? Correct. That's what we're going to focus on. And I'll take you through a a sort of a simple exercise to determine for yourself whether or not you have enough money to retire now. You know, that's a question a lot of people do have, you know, if they're listening to this, they may be at that point where they can retire or they think they might be able to. So, but they're just unsure of how much they really need to have set aside to make that happen. Or they're 10, 15 years out and they're wondering, will I be able to make it? You know, am I, what do I need to set aside in order to retire? So those are sort of two different questions, but we go to get through it in two ways. And, and again, I think in the last episode, you asked, you know, what's the most important thing to determine? And I said, well, it's basically lifestyle. It's, you know, how are you going to be living your life in retirement and how much money are you going to be spending? You know, so we really do have to get a handle on that budget on what you are spending now. And that's really critical. So that's the first step for everyone back into, and, and this is the exercise I would assign for people to go, you know, after they're, if they're listening to this podcast, Hey, get a handle on your expenses right now. I mean, do the math. Okay. Pull down that past year's bank statement and get a handle on just what you're spending. We're not trying to say you need to set a budget. That's not what we're talking about here. All we're saying is, how much are you spending currently? But David, so many people don't want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And you know what happens is a lot of times we find that if if, if, if the combined income in a family exceeds, say, 150000 a year, all their needs are being met. They're probably, hopefully, maxing out their 401k um, contributions. And, you know, they don't really think about it anymore. You know, it's just, it's, uh, they they know they can pay the bills, so they don't worry about it. They just do what they want to do, spend money, and they don't really even think about how much they're spending. And, and really what can happen is, as your income goes up, you can really escalate your spending if you're not careful. If you're not aware of where the money's going, and that's a real, that's actually one of the retirement roadblocks that we'll be talking about is that People don't set enough money aside because they don't understand how much they're spending. And and it's not just how much you're spending. So then what's that difference between my income and my spending to determine how much I can set aside for myself? You know, so because you have that ability to put more money. If you're not already maxing out the 401k, hey, 
How much higher can you go? Can you get to that point? And remember, after age 50, there is the, you can put more in than the typical person can in terms of how much you set aside in your 401k. I'll talk about that in some later episodes, but there is this ability to set more aside once you reach age 50, and you want to make sure you're maxing that out. You're doing that. They call it a catch-up provision. So you want to make sure you're doing that. And a lot of people, uh, it's a good thing because, you know, a lot of times when you get into your 50s, that's your highest income you're earning years anyway. Uh, so that catch-up provision can be a very big deal for a lot of people. They can really accelerate their savings pretty dramatically post age 50 so that they can catch up and have enough set aside for retirement. But some simple math, I'll just, uh, let me just walk through sort of that process. So once you get a handle on your estimated monthly expenses, then you want to think about, well, when am I going to retire? So let's say that uh, you're planning on retiring, let's call it um, maybe 15 years from now or something like that. And what we would say is that you want to then adjust uh, what you're setting aside based on what we think you're going to be spending in retirement. And so we usually take a, an adjustment of your current spending, reduce it, let's say, by 20%. Because when you do retire, you, you won't have as many expenses initially. You won't have to go to work every day. So that's going to cut your cost. Maybe you don't have to have as nice a close to go to work every day. And maybe your mortgage is paid off. So there's all these things you want to consider. And you you might hopefully you're not having to take care of children anymore. You know, no long colleges behind you, that kind of thing. You've done all that. So we think that that's a good rule of thumb. You know, if you're 10, 15 years out to take about 20% of your current expenses and play, okay, that's what I'm going to be spending in retirement. But then you have to factor in inflation. Remember inflation? We talked about that in the last segment. So let's say that um, you, know, you want to assume an inflation rate of 3%. Uh, you're looking out 15 years. Then there's a factor that we can throw in there. So in that particular case, um, uh, the factor we use is $1.56 times your current spending. So let's say your current spending was, um, you, you calculated it out and you came up with 20%, You 4400 is what you're going to need in retirement. Multiply that though by 1.56 because of inflation and you're looking 15 years down the road and now you're up to $6,855 a month that you'll be spending in retirement. And so we take that, you multiply it by 12, 82,000, $82,261. That's, that is, um, you know, in the ballpark for a lot of families. Okay. They're spending about that much on their living expenses. So that's what we're looking at. So 82,000 uh, is the number, but then you have to think, okay, well, how long do I want to plan for in retirement? Well, let's say that, you know, that your parents died in their seventies. So you're thinking, well, I don't think I'll live past, you know, past 85. So I'm you just plan on 20 years. Okay. That's being conservative. I prefer to go 30, but let's say we go, we go out there 30 years and we look at that and we say, okay, uh, 20 years, excuse me. So we're planning 20 years in retirement. Hey, inflation <laughs> again. So we put inflation in to factor in how much you were going to need 
from an expense standpoint in retirement. Now we need to factor in all of the years of growth in terms of inflation during retirement. I don't like all this inflation talk. It's making me oh, angry. It, all right, David. It can it can really drive up the numbers. Yeah. Uh, inflation can. Uh, and so what you find when you do the math on these types of things, and then you total up each year what you'll need to cover your expenses. I mean, you you get out in the tenth year, you're looking at um, not eighty thousand a year, but one hundred and ten thousand. You get out fifteen years, you're looking at one hundred thirty-two thousand, not eighty-two thousand with inflation. Uh, if you total it all up, you're looking at about needing you're going to be spending about two point three million during retirement years based on a budget of $82,000 a year. And this is why people like me are afraid to even look to see (laughs) how it's going to happen because I feel like I'm so far behind that I'm never going to have that kind of money once I reach retirement. Well, and again, and and so I scared you with that $2 million number because you're (laughs) thinking, well, that's what I'm going to need to set aside. But the truth is, is that you know you're you have guaranteed income streams that'll be coming in in retirement, uh, say pension, social security. That becomes a factor that reduces the amount of money you need to have from your investments. So you don't need to have two point three million dollars set aside investment. That's a number that we're looking at in terms of we know you'll probably spend that much during retirement, maybe more. But that maybe isn't the amount, the number we need to be looking at in terms of how much money needs to be set aside for you in order to make retirement work for you comfortably, okay? Because you haven't factored in what the uh, what your Social Security will be if you're in the United States and you get Social Security. If you have a pension, and many countries, many companies have pensions. Some people have both Social Security and a pension, Okay. Obviously, government employees, uh, for one, most of them do have both pension and social security. So you got to factor those two things in. And then you have to remember that your investments should earn money over the years. Hopefully, they stay ahead of inflation a little bit, your investments do. And so you got to take that into consideration. So when we start thinking about how much money do you need, when you reach retirement to satisfy your expenses throughout retirement, it really becomes about, okay, what's the gap that I need to make up? So we had that $82,000 number earlier. We know that was the number we were shooting for, but let's say that between pensions and social security and other guaranteed income streams, uh, that you've got, say, 50000 or so coming in that you know you can count on. Well, now you only need about 30000 from your investments to make up the gap, that differential. Well, if you wanted to make it 20 years in retirement and, that you're, and you, you could earn 6% on your investments during that time period, and we have a 3% inflation rate running. Okay. How much you're going to need to set aside in order to make those 20 years work? And it's actually a surprisingly, if, you, if it's only 30,000 that you need, 
to make up, you only need about $465,000 in a retirement bucket to provide you with that gap, to cover that gap. Okay. okay? And, and in fact, that's a, a very uh, normal number, that $30,000 a year from your investment portfolio that we see that you'll need to make up a gap in retirement. Okay. Uh, now, if the gap is, say, 50000 so you need, let's say all you have is Social Security, your spending's pretty high, and you need to make it up $50,000 a year from your investment portfolio. And let's say, hey, there's longevity in my family, so I really need to plan for 30 years. Well, that's the point at which we would say you need a million dollars set aside at retirement. And again, that's just a million. That's not two million. Okay. Now, in order to, if you need to set aside to get to that point where you need two million set aside, that would be a need of say a hundred thousand dollars a year to make up the gap. So that may be spending in the one fifty range for a lot of people or higher. And you want to live in your thirty years in retirement. You're planning on 30 years in retirement, you're going to be looking at needing just over $2 million. So, a lot of people think that that's the number. Oh, I've, I've heard that I've got to have $2 million set aside to cover my needs in retirement. The truth is, it's not that, that high. Now, I will say this these are, we also make some assumptions in here with these numbers is that at the end of life, there's nothing left. Okay. So, this is what we call a, one of our, um, um, 50% plans, we call it. So we have a, we have a, a simulation that we do in our systems. And um, we look at a Monte Carlo simulation, they call it. It's a thousand different variations of what might happen in the future in the markets. And it takes all those scenarios and it comes up with a number and it gives us a probability of success. And a 50% plan is a probability of success that the plan works, but with nothing left over. Okay, basically it goes to zero at so I always like to say, hey, that's the that's the last check bouncing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people I say, I don't want to leave any money behind. So, you know, I want to maximize. So that's the last check bouncing. But there are a lot of people say, Well, you know, I really would like to leave some money behind. You know, I want to leave the kids some money. So in that event, you would need more. So maybe uh you only need the $30,000 a year, uh, but you want to leave some money behind. So you, you build your numbers up to where you have over a minute set aside. And then, you know, you're going to be leaving some dollars behind. In fact, we can actually run the scenarios uh, and give you a plan that's based on exactly how much you want to leave behind to the kids or to charity or wherever you want to leave the money. A lot of folks like to give during life. So, that's a little different scenario. So rather than uh, waiting until you're past the, until you're gone before you give anything to kids or charity, they want to do stuff while they're still alive. And that is another option, something to think through and, and work into the plan. So when we're, this is very simplistic. Okay. These numbers are very simplistic, but I, I, I like to point out because a lot of people have this misconception that they need two or $3 million to retire. And that's just not the case. Um, you know, as 
like I said earlier, so if you wanted to go 20 years in retirement and all you need is a $30,000 differential to make up, you, you don't even need a half a million. You know, it's 500,000 will work for you. So, and that's based uh, on 20 years or 30 years. That was a 20 year number. Okay. Okay. So if you went 30 years, you would need about 600,000. So just okay. a little more uh, than the 500. So not a big difference, but again, but these are, uh, I'll go back and the caveat here is these are the, what I call our 50% plans where there's nothing left at the end of the, uh, at the end of retirement uh, of your planning period. And of course, you also don't, this doesn't take into consideration things like long-term care needs potential. Uh, and I've, I've had to deal with that quite a bit lately in, 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 in both my personal family and with clients. You know, long-term care are those activities of daily living, which really, in the United States at least, those things are not covered by Medicare, okay, because they're just maintenance things. You're not expected to get well when you need these th coverage. So, cause somebody needs to help bathe you, needs to help feed you, dress you, uh, help you go to the restroom, those types of things, uh, activities of daily living. When you need care for that, it can be quite expensive. So you have to factor that in as a possibility. Uh, and obviously memory issues, memory care, by the way, is a 24 seven thing. And it's very expensive. If you're talking, you know, $10,000 a month, potentially, uh, in expenses to cover, you know, 24 hour care in a, in a facility somewhere. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to take care of my mom and dad, or, you know, my kids will take care of me. <laughs> Can't count on that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that when it comes to memory issues, especially Alzheimer's, I don't know if you've ever watched some of those movies, the, the notebook and those types. let me tell you that it is, you can't do it. People think they can do it. But the truth is, it becomes too difficult and they need help. Uh, and so they have to spend some money. We like to make sure we plan for that. And you should plan for that as anyone doing this should be planning for that. And we're not necessarily talking about insurance. Okay, insurance is an option, but let's face it, it's expensive and you have to qualify for it. And if you're already 65, you may not qualify. <laughs> Uh, especially if you have family history or health issues already, because it's a it's an underwriting process you have to go through. So they could um, be a pre uh, pre existing condition. Correct, oh. correct. Pre existing condition issues, or the the you know they just say, well, we just don't want to take this risk on uh, because they do have that right now. If you're doing a group plan at work, maybe you can get in that way. Uh, the downside, though, of these policies tends to be that they are uh, what we call guaranteed renewable premiums which means that at any time in the future, the insurance company can raise the premium on renewal. And unfortunately they do, yeah. <laughs> especially I've seen clients in their, you know, mid seventies and early eighties, uh, have premium increases of 40, 50, 60% year after year, even big numbers. And you know, that what they're trying to do is run it people is. off. They yeah. don't want to have to pay the claims. They want you to drop the policy. So um, that's the downside of the long term. Now, I've also seen these policies pay very nicely and really help the family out. And, and from my perspective, the way I view policies, if you already have one of these things, is that it's, it's there to sort of protect assets for the next generation. It's just preserving your assets, basically, is what it's there for. Uh, 
if you can self-insure for this risk, which is what I recommend in most cases, you should do so. But you need to be aware of what those costs are and you need to have it baked into your plan so that you know that if that risk occurs, you're hoping it doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. So you're hoping it doesn't occur, but you have enough assets on hand to take care of you and or your spouse or both of you should you need that type of care later on. Um, and we work through that with clients to make sure that that's baked into their plan and they know what the risks are there. So that's uh, what you mean when you say self-insure is to put the correct. money aside yourself. Yes, you have money aside or you know where you can go to get the money. So for instance, I always point out there's several things that people forget about. You know, I said $10,000 a month. I mean, that may sound like a huge number to you, but let's, let's not forget that your income doesn't stop just because you need to go into a nursing home. They don't take all of your assets just because you've gone into the nursing home. And you no longer need your primary residence, probably. So that becomes a new potential asset base for you because you're going to be moving to a facility, you can sell the property. Uh, in fact, my own mother, uh, when, when, when my dad passed away, and she had a lot of health issues. She did not want to come live with anybody in the family. So she made the decision that she wanted to go into an assisted facility. She found one that she really liked, liked the people there. And she moved in there. She sold her primary residence. And because she did that, she had plenty of money to take her through, well, we, you know, 15, 20 years if she wanted to stay in there that long. Okay. Now, on, Unfortunately, she passed away after about two years because she had ovarian cancer, but she really enjoyed her time there and she felt comfortable because she could afford it. You know, there was no problem moving in. She knew she had the money. She had a nice pension as well as social security to take care of her overhead. In fact, she really had to do very little drawdown on her assets to cover her monthly needs, which was uh, 65, 7,000 a month. But she was fine. And we're talking about a retired teacher that did not have a lot of money. (laughs) So really, really just good planning. And she was in good shape. And that's how I've seen from my experience for a lot of folks not to get, um, you know, a lot of these uh, long-term care insurance salesmen, excuse me, really scare you with the statistics on long-term care. But the fact is, is that most people can self-insure for this risk. Uh, Not everyone, no, not everyone, but most people can. And at least be in a position to start out in a paid facility that not on Medicaid. Okay, that's that's where you don't want to end up. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, You don't want to end up on Medicaid because of where you end up going is not the greatest of places. So, okay, I'm just going to real quickly talk about uh, some of the key roadblocks that individuals run into in terms of retirement. So first and foremost, uh, we talked already about defining what your retirement looks like. Okay. If you don't do that, you're behind the eight ball already. You need to have a clear vision of what retirement looks like for you. And you need to then set your financial goals to do that. And what we've done already now is set, we say, okay, know what it looks like, know what your expenses are, 
now we can know what you're going to be spending your time. So now we sort of get a handle on how much money you're going to need to have at retirement to make it work, right? That's sort of what we've gone through already. And they don't, a lot of people don't make any kind of commitment to be financially successful. What I mean by that is they don't educate themselves. So by listening to this podcast series, people will have that opportunity to educate quite a bit on all these topics. Uh, They don't make a financial inventory, so they really don't know what they have. Understanding cash flow, okay? Understanding your inflows and outflows. Again, I get back to the expenses. I can't emphasize that enough. And again, I'm not talking about creating a budget. People have this thing about budget. Now, it's not a budget. Just know what you're spending and what your income flow is and know what the difference is. Understand that gap. They also don't understand their net worth, which is your assets minus your liabilities. So understand that number and that number should be going up over time. So liabilities should be going down. Assets should be going up understand that number and pay attention to it. I can't tell you how powerful it is to just pay attention to the numbers because you can literally begin to move numbers just by paying attention to them, which is a surprising thing, but it does happen. Um, They don't manage credit wisely. Credit can be a big problem for a lot of individuals in retirement coming, running up, preparing for retirement, and then in retirement because they don't understand the impact those high interest rates on credits can have. I mean, credit has some positive things too, but you have to be very careful and you want to be as debt-free as possible going into retirement. And the other thing that people don't do is they don't seek professional assistance early enough, especially the more complex the situation, the more you need professional assistance. And I'm not just talking about a financial advisor. I'm talking about uh, legal, tax, et cetera. And we're going to have in the next episode a CPA, which I strongly recommend people work with the CPA to maximize their take home. Because believe me, the IR, when it comes to taxes, it is your job to make sure you minimize your taxes. The IRS doesn't care if you pay much higher taxes than you need it to. They don't care. Um, You also need to remember to invest early in life and be wise about it to rebalance on a regular basis. So a lot of people don't even start investing until they're in their 40s or 50s. Big mistake. All right. You need to be investing earlier. I mean, I've I've got my kids investing, you know, 23 and 27. They're investing already. Even if I have to help make them do it. So (laughs) yeah, and that's what Um, everybody told me to do it in my 20s. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's what a lot of people do. Um (laughs) The other thing is, is that taking advantage, and I just mentioned the CPA, taking advantage of the tax laws and tax rules and understanding those, understanding which investments are tax favored and which are not, those types of things are critical to getting ahead and maximizing your take home and maximizing the returns on your investments. Allocation is important. You know, when you're in withdrawal mode, that's very different than when you're 30 years old in accumulation mode. Your allocation should look very different. Uh, and also, your allocation should be such that you do not get worried about it when the market fluctuates. Because a lot of people make the mistake that they think they can time this market. Okay, I can time it. I'll get in and out. They go into their 401ks, they move money around. We call them retail investors. They mess it up all the time. Okay, you you're just don't do that. <laughs> 
leave it and let it go. Don't be jumping in and out of the market over time. And you need to make sure you plan for unexpected things like long-term care, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and there's a lot of others unexpected that you need to be prepared for. You need to take full advantage of employer plan options and abilities to save money with your employer. You need to plan your for your estate and make sure that you know, you're not creating a big liability or a big problem for the next generation. And they don't create any kind of comprehensive financial plan, obviously. So these are the major roadblocks to being successful in retirement. And as we go through this, we're going to talk about how to overcome some of those roadblocks and make sure that you're staying. So we're going to be educating you on all these areas that you need to stay on top of. I got to tell you, David, I feel so much less hopeless than I did a half hour ago when we started talking about this. Wonderful. That's the goal. Hey, you know, you can do this. Retirement can be done. Uh -huh. I tell people all the time, don't worry, you're good. You know, and they don't believe us until they're two or three years in retirement usually. And then they're like, ah, wow, you were right. <laughs> Everything's fine. So you know? for those who have um, questions or want to learn more about your process, how do they get in touch with you? rvawealthmanagement.com. Just go to the website. Uh, you can click on the link and get an appointment quick and easy. And also we'll have the podcast there and so other things so that you'll have access to this. All right. Thank you, David. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, share, and follow this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Unleash Your Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rvawealthmanagement.com or give us a call at 804-497-2100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RVA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal tax or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of RVA Wealth Management. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RVA Wealth Management or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, RVA Wealth Management and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.